All right, my friends, thanks for tuning into the podcast. So I'm on the phone yesterday with a new client, and he is sharing with me the research that he's done in relationship to his OCD. Uh, he's talking about uh, the, the, the his uh, encounter with exposure therapy online as he's done some research, and he's familiar with the importance of exposure therapy, as are uh, many of you listening to this podcast, and as are uh, many clinicians uh, around uh, the United States and around the world. Uh, but as we talked, I highlighted for him the importance of stopping compulsions within the exposure process. And I indicated to him, look, the reality of the situation is you can engage exposures. You can do exposures, right? But if you're engaging compulsions through the process of doing exposures, you're really spinning your wheels and you're getting nowhere, right? There is nothing productive about doing an exposure if all the while you're engaging safety behaviors or compulsions or ritualistic patterns, whatever word we want to use. There's nothing productive about engaging such exposures. The only way for us to be uh, to, to find efficacy and productivity in the process of doing exposures is if we are simultaneously stopping compulsions. Let me say that again. The only way we're finding productivity through the process of engaging exposure work is if we are simultaneously stopping compulsions or safety behaviors. And not just some of them, by the way. We need to work to stop all of them. Now, you've heard me say this kind of thing again and again and again on this podcast. If you've listened to this podcast for even you know a little bit, then you know that this is the kind of thing that gets said on this podcast. Why? Well, the reason is that, look, there isn't anything that's more important within the, the effective process of stopping or treating OCD than stopping compulsions. There isn't anything else. Now, you can say, well, wait a second. What about exposure work? And that's really the nature of this particular podcast episode. Doing exposures is pointless if all the while we're doing compulsions. But look at that the other way around. If you're doing, if you're working to stop compulsions, you are by extension doing exposures. Now, you've heard me say this kind of thing as well, but it's worth repeating. It's important. I mean, so follow me. The, the idea is that if we're engaging uh, exposures uh, or doing, com doing uh, exposures, but also engaging compulsions, we're really spinning our wheels. Now, follow me. When I say that the reverse... Uh, is is uh, is also true. What I mean by that is when we're stopping our uh, our compulsions, we are by extension doing exposures. So what I, what I'm pointing to is this notion of habituation. Now, I, I did an episode on habituation a few months ago. I believe it was entitled uh, "Habituate, Don't Fluctuate." Uh, but the, the the basic idea, what is habituation? So I'll give you some some kind of a practical definition by example. Uh, I'm not going to break down some sort of uh, you know uh, textbook uh, um, explanation, but by example, habituation is the idea of getting into a swimming pool, and and, and or maybe even getting into the ocean, and and the water feels cold uh, or at least really cool. 
uh, at first. You're uh, having the experience of, of getting into the water and, and it's and you're shin deep and then you're knee deep and you're really feeling the, 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 the chill of the water and then you get in thigh deep and waist deep and oh boy, it's really cold. Then you keep going and you get in, you know, belly deep and chest deep and pretty soon you just take the plunge and you dive under the water and your whole body is submerged underneath this chilly water. And you stay in the water for, you know, for 60 seconds and then for two minutes. And two minutes turns into four minutes and four minutes turns into six minutes. Well, we've all had that experience and we all know what happens next. Over the course of the, the one to two to three to four minutes, the chilly water sort of begins to turn into not so chilly water. And it, sort, it begins to, uh, to, to, to actually become slowly, slowly comfortable and, and ultimately refreshing. It's really nice in here. The water feels really good. And then your buddy comes over and your buddy gets in the water and, and, and he or she is like, oh my gosh, it's cold. And now they're going through the same experience you went through, only you're on the other side of it. And you're like, actually, the water's really nice and warm. Well, what happened? Did the water temperature change for you? No, what happened was habituation happened right? You're not experiencing the cold water in the same way anymore because you've been in the water for a little while. What if you got out of the water and dried off and got on new swimming trunks or a new swimsuit or whatever and got back in the water, the same process would happen again, right? You'd, maybe it wouldn't be as long this time, but you follow what I'm saying. You'd have to start from square one again, and you'd have to deal with the chilly water and, and you'd have to go through habituation all over again. And we could come up with a hundred examples of this daily, regular, everyday examples of habituation happening. But the same thing happens with our anxiety. When we're faced with something that, that causes us anxiety and we stick with it, right? We stay in the pool for one minute, for two minutes, for three minutes. And we don't get out. We don't dry off. We don't change our clothes, but we stay in the water, right? But instead of being in the water, maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's a, you're, you're afraid of, uh, of spiders and, um, and, and you see a spider and you have this anxiety response in relationship to the spider. Oh no, there's a spider. But you don't allow your instincts to take over and you don't run out of the room but you actually stay in the room. And rather than grabbing hold of the chair really tight, as tight as you can, you force your hands to relax. And rather than looking away from the spider, trying to somehow ignore or pretend that it's not there, you actually look at the spider and you keep looking at it. And, and rather than getting up and walking to the other side of the room to try and get as far away from the spider as possible, no, 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 you actually, you stay right there or maybe you even inch closer to the spider. Everything your instincts are telling you to do, you run in the opposite direction. You don't do any of it. You, you just go ahead and, and, and hold your ground and keep looking at the spider and relaxing your hands and even inching closer to the spider. And one minute passes and, and two minutes pass, right? And three and four minutes pass and, and you're relaxing your hands and, and you're not going to the other side of the room. You're certainly not running out of the room. You're not allowing yourself to hyperventilate. You're breathing normally. Your body is, you're forcing your body to relax. 
You're not allowing all this muscular tension. Nope. You're, all of these behaviors that are happening in relationship to your anxiety, you stop them all, every one of them. What's going to happen after five minutes of that? Five minutes is a long time. If I were to sit here and say nothing for the next five minutes, this podcast has been going on, you know, for something like eight minutes at this point. Right? But what if for the next five minutes you just relaxed? You just relaxed. You didn't do any of those behaviors. What would happen if after five more minutes you're still sitting there staring at that spider? You're not running. You're relaxed. You're not allowing your hands to, to squeeze. You follow what I'm saying. Over the course of the time, your anxiety is most likely going to fall. Maybe not to zero. Maybe not to absolutely nothing. Probably not ex- actually. But your anxiety will fall at least a little bit. If it was, let's say, at 40 out of 100. At 40. I would expect after 10 minutes, you might be at a 30. Maybe even a 25, depending on how anxious you are around spiders. And, and what would happen over the next 10 minutes? You, you just keep watching the spider, keep watching the spider, keep looking at the spider. You're not leaving the room. You're not even creating space between yourself and the spider. You just keep, keep watching, keep relaxing your body. Five more minutes pass. This is the idea of habituation. Now, all that's happened, you you didn't set up an exposure. You didn't put the spider in place. Nobody else put the spider there. The spider showed up. Oh, there's a spider. What you focused on was not engaging compulsions. What you focused on was identifying safety behaviors in real time and preventing them from happening, or at least preventing them from continuing. You notice, oh, I'm squeezing the life out of this chair with my hands, and then you stop doing it. You notice, oh, I'm hyperventilating. Let me stop doing it. I want to run out of the room. I will not allow myself to do that. You follow what I'm saying? You're identifying these safety behaviors or, or ritualistic patterns or, or compulsions. Again, whatever word we want to use, and you're stopping them. That's, that's the point. You're stopping them. So, when we, but, but let's imagine the other way around. Let's imagine somebody put a spider in place. Maybe it was one of those big spiders. Somebody, somebody brings a spider in in one of those clear uh, you know, canisters or whatever, and puts it on the floor in front of you, and now it's an exposure. And, and you decide you're going to hyperventilate. But you're doing an exposure. Aren't you supposed to get better now? And you're going to squeeze the life out of the chair and, and try and move away from the spider. And, and all the things that one would expect, you're doing all these behaviors, but you're also doing an exposure. You're going to get better now. No, you're not. You're not going to get better now because you keep doing the behaviors. Forget the exposure. It's pointless. It's pointless. You're going through all this suffering and it's not even doing anything for you, therapeutically speaking. So you see the contrast. You can stop compulsions while not even doing an exposure. You find yourself in an exposure situation. Oh, there's a spider. And you stop compulsions. You stop behaviors. And you make therapeutic progress. 
You actually do, on the other hand, you actually do an exposure and also do behaviors and you get nowhere. You do nothing. And when you, when you look at it from that perspective, you see that the whole thing symptomatologically hinges on the, the, the engagement of the behaviors. The whole thing becomes a behavioral problem. The entire system hinges and is fueled by behaviors. It doesn't care if you're doing exposures. So often, clients will go uh, to, to therapists to do exposure therapy, but unfortunately, the therapists themselves don't know enough about the evidence-based protocol to know that you have to stop the behaviors. It doesn't actually really matter about the exposures. Of course, there's good research that shows exposure therapy is important. And of course, it's important. That's not my point. My point is that the exposure therapy itself is not effective if we're engaging safety behaviors the whole time. We have to be able to stop the safety behaviors, the compulsions, the rituals. It's absolutely essential. It must happen. It must happen. So I think it's an interesting thing to be able to see exposure therapy from that perspective that it ultimately is only made effective when we stop compulsions and that when we stop compulsions, we actually are by extension and definition doing exposure therapy. So I, I hope that that's clear. I hope that that's helpful. Perhaps you're, you're, you're someone who's suffering from, from OCD or, or an anxiety-related disorder and and you've been going to therapy for a long time. I've seen many, many people in that category, right? I've been in therapy for years and years of time, and I've never really gotten better. Perhaps you're in that category. Perhaps that's you. And the, the truth of the matter is that even if you're doing exposure therapy or what your therapist calls exposure therapy, if you're not setting as priority one, identifying and stopping behaviors. You're not making progress. At the end of the day, OCD is a behavioral problem. And I hope that you're not misunderstanding me as I say that. That OCD is, is it hinges on and it is fueled by the compulsive behaviors. The whole thing runs on behaviors. And when we're able to effectively stop and consistently stop compulsions, our systems, our symptomatological systems, unravel and fall apart. The whole thing hinges on the behaviors. So the behaviors have the ability to perpetuate our symptoms, and the, be the behaviors also have the ability to absolutely nullify our exposures. If we're doing compulsions, we're not only not getting better, but we are likely getting worse. Conversely, if we're not doing compulsions, we're not only not getting worse, but we are likely getting better because we're not doing compulsions. Well, thanks very much for tuning in to OCD Straight Talk. Feel free to reach out at uh, chrislines04 at gmail.com with your questions. Uh, feel free to reach out. I look forward to hearing from you. Again, thanks for tuning in. This is OCD Straight Talk.